0: Welcome to Podmont Guard, I'm Andrea Gazetta.
1: I'm Katrina Davis. And I'm Jordan Lee Williams.
0: And today we're covering Yayoi Kusama. Yay! Yay. Yay. I'm so
1: excited for this.
0: Yay! Yay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm super excited for this as well, but it's also going to be kind of a bummer, you guys.
2: Yeah,
0: aren't they always? (laughs)
1: Oh, super fast, since we're recording these back-to-back, just a little behind the curtain for the (laughs) listeners, Um, I do want to just add a very quick thing about the Venus of Urbino and Olympia paintings, Uh, because in Venus of Urbino, there is a little dog sleeping on the bed with that lady, and dogs were traditionally a visual cue of loyalty So the fact that the dog is asleep means that loyalty is not awake and present and on guard. So it definitely was the dude's mistress. Oh my
2: gosh. Venus Um, be fucking, dude. Yeah, because I also noticed in the back of that painting that someone may or may not be ralphing into a box in the background. <laughs> I'm sure they're just, like, no, they're getting, getting out clothes. clean linens. Yeah, Yes, and, they're bringing
1: her clothing because she's being pampered. But um, it, at first it just looks like they had a rager, <laughs> and, like, she's <laughs> naked, the
2: dog is out, I don't know what he's on, and someone's like...
1: <laughs> but it's great because in olympia by manet uh instead of a little dog there's a cat and i love the cat in this painting because it's just like hi hello i'm a cat fuck you (laughs) there's a study that says
0: that if that cats would be psychopaths if they were humans and i'm just like yeah we know like it's fine
1: Here, wait, I wanna show you guys the cat really quick before we get like true. Is it one of those started. things where the
0: cat looks too human and it's kind of fucking weird? No,
1: no, it is look at look at this little guy over here, just like arched back, super, super like, yep, I'm awake. I'm here, bitches. Oh yeah. Oh, shit. He's
2: checking shit out. Honestly, this yep. is how my cat is when I'm fucking just being <laughs> way too present.
1: Oh Get out of here, God. weirdo.
2: Why don't you leave when you hear these noises? My cat's, like, way too comfortable of a sexual being. I don't like it. Okay. Well, he's
1: like, hey, so... we're hanging out. What's going on?
2: Yeah. He's like, oh, clearly activity is happening. What are we doing? And I'm like, can you leave? Thank you. Chewy has started, for whatever reason,
0: with the dude I'm seeing. He, like, wants to, like, if we're kissing... Or if we're, like, making out, he'll start barking. Like, he wants to, like, get in between us. He's like, I don't want any funny business happening. He's Too just, closed. like, really upset about it. <laughs>
2: he's <laughs> He is Christian dance chaperoning your Absolutely. new relationship. He's,
0: uh, he's a hug-sniffing dog. He's not about it. Like, even just, like, long hugs. He's like, no, like, I'm not here for it. But he was actually he,
2: trained by the PSA, uh, the PDA instead of the, the PSA, and <laughs> he will alert the way he is trained to. Oh
0: my god! If he
2: comes yeah. You.
0: But he also wants to cuddle after we have sex. Like you know what I mean? Like it's just like he'll leave, and then as soon as he senses we're done, he's like, "Great, you guys are cuddling. I would also like to be here." It's like, what if you didn't though?
1: I think Chewy is very much uh, your 47-year-old son that still lives at home, where he's just like, mother, mother, I require attention and ham. I was just about to say, he's
2: like, yeah, now that you're done with whatever that is, do you have any ham? Could I please? It smells
0: salty over here. I thought there might be ham. Um, Yuck.
2: <laughs> it seems like there's meat being transferred. I was just oh. wondering if any of it was ham.
1: Oh, no. Anyways, uh, yeah, so about The grossest art history podcast on the market. Uh. We're cutting <laughs> none of
0: this.
2: I want all of it to no. stay i already yes. put suzanne aside this
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh i love it so much all right i'm gonna do sources real quick um although it's never quick when it's me so for- wait jordan
2: do like a <laughs> clean start of who you're doing again oh wait we already. i guess we have the yaya yeah, yeah one okay i'm sorry ignore me oh, get to your sources. no that's
1: okay uh, again, I've never done sources quickly. So, <laughs> my sources <laughs> for this episode uh, I used Wikipedia to set up my timeline, um, and that's the Yayoi Kusama Wikipedia page. Um, the Little Book of Feminist Saints by Julie Pierpont and illustrated by Manjit Thap. Um, the Guardian, Yayoi Kusama, the world's favorite artist. Um, and then I used um, an article from DangerousMinds.net called Scream Against the Sky, Yayoi Kusama's Self-Obliteration, Avant-Garde Weirdness, 1967. And then... Going so, to old school,
0: 1967.
1: Uh, Well, I think that that's just the retrospective that they were referring to because she's got there's a few uh kind of overarching themes within her work but there's also a pretty easy way to tell what decade she was working in by certain aspects of it she did a lot of performance art uh, when she was younger and a lot of a lot of nudity Yeah. (laughs) Um, So Yayoi Kusama was uh, born in Japan. Um, Her family was plant merchants. um, And so she started drawing pumpkins uh, very, very young. Um, That was kind of her first. Uh, soiree into art uh, was drawing these pumpkins and then later she considers the pumpkins that she makes as a self-portrait which I think can harken back to her very early work as a as a child if you can call it work as a child but just those first paintings that she did um, and those first drawings
0: that makes sense to me though because like I still paint a lot of the shit i did as a child just better like i'm still obsessed with a lot of the same imagery and a lot of the same themes so like that makes sense to me
1: no absolutely um and she actually so the the thing that she's known for is those big polka dots like that is the most famous of her work that's where most people are going to recognize so She's the the lady who does the big polka dot rooms and has the the fun little, she wears her bright colored bobs and, and very bright outfits. Um, I, I really wanted to talk about her and her story because of the way that it has, because of the way that her work has been commodified. Um, She's kind of become the face of, like, the Instagram influencer.
0: Right, because she kind of, in many ways, her work is, like, the first experience room.
1: Yes, yes. She does these huge installations. Um, the mirror room, and I'll actually pull up an image of that. And we'll get to why it looks the way it does Um, but let's pull up so this is the mirror room um, or the infinity mirrors she does these installations where it's a room that's completely filled with mirrors and lights and sometimes water but then she adds uh, music into it She's very well known for these bright, that bright red bob wig that she wears. Um, And then, so there's her with a pumpkin. But it's it's these polka dots, the polka dots taking up every square inch of the room and really just covering everything, taking it over. Mm Mm-hmm. But I just I think that it's very interesting because if you don't look past the surface level it's just oh yeah these are just these crazy rooms that people take their pictures in and and it's really uh, just so, so so many articles described her as Instagrammable <laughs> which I, I hated I think. <laughs> It kind of feels
0: to me like when Instagram models take photos like at the Holocaust Memorial or, you know what I mean, where they're like, oh, my God, isn't it so great? It's like, well, why don't you just like read what this is about for a minute?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly. Um, and I mean, it's it's also like, so the it kind of reminds me of those, the Van Gogh exhibit. Uh, experience that's been Mm -hmm. going on in LA where you can go and like it's all they they started a Frida Kahlo one as well where it's this interactive experience um, what it is is they
0: pencil in your unibrow so that you can fully experience it as Frida Kahlo
2: and put you in a back brace (laughs) and put you in a back brace yep
1: (laughs) I am obsessed with Kahlo's uh self-portraits and especially the way that she talks about them because she did say that white people are like uncooked dough
2: (laughs) oh my god Frida, rude just (laughs) just
1: just
0: roasted fully roasted not roasted that's
2: the problem (laughs) yeah i'm joking Oh, There's so no hard. problem. That is some super shade thrown though on Frida's part. But no, it's like even to have a Frida Kahlo experience, it's like you can go to her house. It is an open exhibit that you can actually see where the person worked and like how like she had to live and sleep. And uh, like I said, the back braces and her outfits and stuff like that. And it's way more indicative and but like you said way less a backdrop for photos yeah. than probably
1: what they're going to build. No, that's exactly and like I really want to go to the Van Gogh experience, but it's also mm-hmm. okay I you know, it's somebody whose life was pain and isolation and and that's kind of the theme between those two is it's just pain mm-hmm. and isolation and, and just uh, I don't know
2: so in terms of creatives who maybe know an- enough about the backstory to feel the way you might feel about it Jordan comics have gone and said one Van Gogh would have cut his other ear off if he could see this and then another comic <laughs> said I- I got to go for free and it wasn't even worth it. So I will say there's some mixed reviews. reviews.
1: (laughs) Wow. Some people say it's really
2: cool. But in in terms of how I'm thinking you would be walking through with the awareness of how sad this person was and just being like, oh, my God. But look at all these cool screens and that just being kind of lost on you and you not fully being able to enjoy it as like you're saying a video backdrop. For your viewers or whatever.
0: Yeah. Okay, here's the like, thing. Yes. Pain and isolation. Yes. Fear. All of it. I'm feeling it.
2: But like, will it make me look hotter? Because <laughs> that's what I thought when you said taking selfies, like you said, Andre, like the Holocaust Museum or something like that. It's like, yeah, but they make that look sad. Like they do a pretty good job of being like, no, this is a bummer. <laughs> Please, <laughs> these shoes are not that kind of backdrop. Please stop. Like,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, and that's what's so fascinating to me because she is really, I think, a case study in authorial intent because it, her work really has become this oh, I can get the best pictures here and look how funky and cool and oh my God, it's so crazy. But it's such an upsetting story once you actually, and a very interesting one as well, but once you get into why she makes the work that she does, all of those pictures of people in her artwork really take on a different tone. Mm. Um. So, I'll start with, I guess, why her work looks the way that it does. Um, and I apologize in advance if this is a little uh, a little scatterbrained. I have been having uh, vertigo for a week, so I've been having a lot of trouble, like, just existing. Um, but... So Yayoi Kusama started having vivid hallucinations when she was 10 years old. Um, and what she would see were these dots, or if she looked at a pattern, one of, uh, one of the patterns that she paints a lot is flowers, and the reason that she paints that is because she was looking at a tablecloth that had a, f- a pattern of flowers, and it started to talk to her and then it started to take over the entire space that she was in to the point where she realized that if she didn't get out she was going to die in that flower room that had happened around her it's very upsetting like this is this is a person who has experienced very um Like, engulfing
2: hallucinations. Yes. Yes.
1: Um, And on top of these, her mother was very abusive. Um, Her father was a serial cheater. And her mom would make her go and spy on her father and watch him have sex with other women.
0: Wait, hold on. So, I thought a cereal cheater was someone who bought five boxes of different cereals and ate them simultaneously.
2: Andrea. Well,
1: that's <laughs> Katrina's dad. <laughs>
2: oh, my God. Just yeah. cereal and meat. That was Jordan. That was such a good callback. Like wow,
0: (laughs) that's a Patreon callback. Uh, What's up? (laughs)
2: Yeah, I love when we do those. Yay, (laughs) Patreon extra callback. Easter egg,
1: Easter egg. Um, it's yeah, I can't imagine the kind of strain that that would put on a child. Um, This is
0: bad for your brain like yes. all yeah. these things
1: physical and abuse
0: mental abuse emotional abuse all of it it's real bad
1: on top but also, of wait, having- who beats
2: their intel like if you're <laughs> gonna make her spy for you like wouldn't you want her on your side i'd be like i didn't see shit out of my black eye <laughs>
1: Well, I don't know if she was... It just said that her mother was abusive. I don't know if she was physically abusive or if this is the abuse. Because she made her daughter watch her husband have sex with other women. Like, that is... Yeah. I mean, that is that's sexual abusive. abuse at the least. Yeah. Um, And because of this, Yayoi Kusama says that she hated sex. She hated the phallus um, and that the fear of sex and the obsession with sex sat side by side with her. Um, Mm.
0: Yeah. That lady fucked that kid all the way up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened. Like (laughs) that's fucked up. All the way up. (laughs) No, absolutely. And she also, her mother hated that she was into art And so Yayoi would have to rush to try to finish her drawings and her paintings before her mother could take them away from her. Um, Jesus Christ. So we've got this very, like, these are kind of the setting stones for the way that she works for the rest of her life. Um, Because she starts having these hallucinations and of, these polka dots, these, uh, it almost, it sounds almost like an oral migraine. Like I get these where your, your vision starts to get these little pinpoints of light. Um, Mm -hmm. but I, that's not what she's experiencing, but I kind of know what this looks like when everything is taken over by light. Um, does she ever get a formal
0: diagnosis or,
1: uh, I'm not sure, but we will get,
2: there.
1: Okay. Then um, let's. I'll wait. Okay. Yeah. Cause we're. Yeah. It'll. It'll all kind of come together. Um, okay. So she was born in March, uh, 1929. So at 13, World War II is happening, and she starts to work at a Japanese military manufacturer, and she is sewing parachutes. So, she describes her adolescence as one spent in closed darkness. Um, Jesus. Is, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's brutal. Because she also, she talks about how the American planes would just fly over during the day. And how terrifying it all was. Um, and then just at mm-hmm. 13, making parachutes in a dark warehouse. Yeah, um, and
0: World War Two was... I mean like World War 2 was scary for Americans, but for the most part the war wasn't on our soil besides Pearl Harbor. But if exactly. you think about what it was like to be there like you're literally in a war zone and you're a child. That's so scary.
1: Exactly. No, she uh she's growing up in within her parasocial Experiences with her parents are horrible, and then on top of that, the social experience is horrible. So, this is just like a brutal yeah, she and she has
2: both macro and micro trauma,
1: yes, yeah. and it's and then also on top of that, a mental illness. Um, so she ends up going to school. That's what painting. we like to call an
2: artist triple threat. <laughs> <laughs> Check, check, and check. (laughs) Macro, micro, inside, got it. Uh, In
1: 1948, she attends the Kyoto Municipal School of Arts and Crafts. Um, But she quickly becomes frustrated because she is studying Nyonga. Uh, Which is a traditional Japanese style and she does not want to specifically focus on that Um, At this point she's been painting these Hallucinations that she's been having and she is literally painting so feverishly and trying to kind of outrun the Hallucination to the point that she is painting on like off of the paper onto the chair onto herself onto the table that she's painting on. She's literally covering everything she can. Um, So she ends up moving to the United States Uh, in 1957. She moves to New York. Um, She seeks out Georgia O'Keeffe because she wants to become a professional artist and she wants to join kind of the the limelight of New York City. Um, She ends up establishing a reputation as... uh, She basically gets shot to the front of the avant-garde movement of the time. She's running in these circles with the avant-garde artists, the pop art artists, um, and just working from a place of total abstraction and sculpture that she is. She is not making anything like anything that's coming out at the time. Um,
0: cause is she still focusing on these dots pretty much? Yes.
1: Okay. Um, and she's also, she is doing performance art. So she does this huge show, um, cause her performance art, she starts getting models. And painting polka dots on their naked bodies. Um, Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. So she she has this incredible performance piece that she called the Grand Orgy to Awaken the Dead at the MoMA, um, where artists take off, or artists, where her models take off all their clothes. She paints polka dots on them, and then they go stand in the fountains and mimic the poses of the sculptures around them. Yes. Oh, nice. She. Uh, I love this so much. It is a little later, but I do want to talk about just the names of every like her work has such cool names. Um, she's got one called "I'm Here But Nothing," and all the eternal oh, love oh, I wow. have for pumpkins. <laughs> These are both spot
0: on, beautiful. I love them. Yeah, why does
2: she love pumpkins so much? Just because that would happen
1: to be the first thing
2: around that she painted Uh,
1: She specifically says that she started to view these pumpkins that she was making as a self-portrait. So to kind of break down why But
2: i heard you say that before but like why did she pick pumpkins uh just because
1: so i well i think that the pumpkins are because that was like the first thing she started drawing but also that's okay the the vivid hallucinations she called it self-obliteration and that was what she wanted to focus on and that was what all of these, the, the infinity mirrors, the, the rooms that she made, um, I'm here, but nothing that Mm. is all about self obliteration and it is Mm. all about just being so, she was so connected in these hallucinations to everything. And then she felt like she herself was being destroyed by them Literally, because the way that they would happen, she would see the polka dots and the the dots of light and everything. And it would literally like tear apart everything within her field of vision.
2: That sounds terrifying. Yes. Um, so that's talks- like it's like she's watching the pattern like you were saying before take over, but in a way that it's like ripping through the center of things not that it's like covering it's like that it that sounds way scarier than what i was envisioning
1: i i think i don't know if you guys have ever had a a hallucination
2: and i'm not uh one that i was afraid of only on mushrooms But that's I do I mean. like I've, it. I've had ones and been like, I know where that's coming from and like been able to not freak myself out. You know what I mean? No, oh, okay. I freaked the fuck out. I hated that shit. <laughs> <laughs> fuck mushrooms. See, <laughs> understandable. I
1: have I get sleep paralysis Um oh, and I've okay. I've had it pretty consistently for like 20 years Um And it is is terrifying to see something like, and that's a, that's a sleeping brain fucking misfire. I cannot imagine seeing this while you are fully awake, middle of the day, not asleep. Cause like my sleep paralysis, it fucks me up for days after because it's so scary but Mm -hmm. I know that it's not real Um, and I know that like whatever happened like that feeling of dread and terror it's not going to actually be able to touch me although there have been some I I feel so bad sometimes I wake Keith up because I will literally be sitting up screaming help it's got me oh yeah my dad
2: kicked my mom out of bed before trying to fight (laughs) Like, eyes wide open and has no idea. Yeah, it's scary shit, man.
1: Yeah, so just, like, knowing that you are seeing something that's not there, but how real it feels, like, that is such a terrifying experience, regardless of what it is you're seeing.
2: Well, like you said, Jordan, having that happen in a place where, You're conscious in reality. So all the things that you, when you wake up, would be able to tell yourself to try to calm yourself down is like there is no fourth wall to break. I really am awake and conscious. So what you have around you to prove whether it is or isn't happening is blurred more like that makes it
1: scarier. Yeah, no, and also, I mean, when you're 10 years old, which is when these started for her, you don't have the same kind of, like, emotional regulation. You don't have the same kind of, uh, you know, your brain isn't developed. Like, I can't imagine what that must have like, been like i couldn't
2: i just couldn't see in the dark and i was afraid to go to the bathroom because i thought frankenstein lived in the spare bedroom and that wasn't <laughs> real at all that was just <laughs> night blindness so i can't imagine if any of my hallucinations had taken any kind of like real shape i like you said i probably would have like not left the house if i was a kid
1: <laughs> well yeah, and she know. talks about at one point um when the when she had the flower incident where the flowers were taking over yeah. and she was just convinced that if she stayed in that space, she would not exist anymore. She ran up the stairs so fast trying to get away from it that she fell down the stairs and broke her ankle. Oh, Aww. my God.
2: Poor yeah, baby. I
1: I know she's she's she is just
2: that's like how
1: afraid she was
2: how real it looked yeah and also
0: imagine like not only is she afraid of these vivid hallucinations happening around her but she has no source of comfort in her life to console her and help her regulate and help her figure out what's happening or even like talk about it like it's so horrible oh my
2: goodness yeah you're so right in terms of being built in with any kind of rationale from parents that care about you if something bad happens and you're like, okay, well, I've had a bad dream before. Mom said this happened. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you haven't been given any coping mechanisms.
1: Well, and also from everything I read, it doesn't seem like she even started getting medical help until she goes to New York and she literally only gets that medical help because she is working herself to the point that she has to be hospitalized. So she is feverishly creating work to the point where she is neglecting her physical health to the point that she is hospitalized. Holy shit. And it happens multiple times. Um, Oh
2: my God. And what you said earlier was really... Visual for me too Jordan about her trying working so hard because she's trying to outrun it like she thinks if she paints it out you said get it out like yeah. that also is indicative of you not eating or sleeping or drinking because the thing is taking over your brain so much that you're like no I can't stop I'm almost there like if I can get it out you know what I mean yes like no, chasing that's, some that's... kind of like sane carrot <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, so she is, like, overworking herself um, to the point of having to be hospitalized. And she also, at this point, tries to commit suicide. Oh, God. And that is actually going to... Uh, that is actually going to be a theme. Um, she she attempts suicide multiple times and she's just, she is deeply unwell and it doesn't seem like she's getting the psychiatric help that she needs. Um, well, and like, what
0: even is, what even is this diagnosis? Is it schizophrenia? Is it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's a difficult thing to classify. It
2: seems very I was thinking neat of the same thing. Like does she have a tumor? What is going on?
0: I mean, it might also just be several traumatic brain injuries as a child which can give you some real fun messed up stuff.
1: Okay. So her specific diagnosis has not been described. She notes a lifetime symptom course consistent with psychosis and possible schizophrenia. Um and that was from the visionary art of Yayoi Kusama Psychology Today. Uh mm-hmm. so she is while being deeply unwell, uh probably the coolest person I've ever fucking heard of. So Hell yeah, dude. Very famously. She writes a letter to Richard Nixon offering to fuck him if he would stop the war in Vietnam. I love her.
2: Stop. Oh, my that's gosh. Amazing.
1: <laughs> like, I just think that that's super dope. Um, she She's also stages cool. a performance piece called Homosexual Wedding at the Church of Self-Obliteration. What? Uh, yes. Is it so, art
0: or is it an actual wedding?
1: Uh, it's art. Or both. So, it was the first homosexual wedding ever to be performed in the United States. Uh, what? In 1968. Um, and. Yeah that's amazing yeah the self-styled church of self-obliteration which i looked to see if that was a place and it seems more like it was there was a they made it a place for this but it Mm. was more of an idea um is her concept with this kind of the idea that
0: like I mean, she's interested in sort of the obliteration of self, but does she see marriage as another obliteration of self or dissolution of self?
1: That would absolutely make sense just with her family history alone. Um, But the fact that (laughs) she was, she was a political artist. The fact that this is the first open homosexual wedding that's happened in the United States, like, I think that more she was trying to make a point. Um Yeah, that's wild. I mean, does she consider herself to be homosexual or not? No. Um, she okay. just she just has a lot of trauma regarding seeing her father with his mistresses. Um, she does yeah, have that could <laughs> Yeah. That'll do she, it. She has a few relationships. Um, throughout her life, she is close friends with Ava Hess, who's a German uh, sculptor. Um, she has a brief relationship with another artist, uh, Donald Judd, who's a minimalist. Um, and then, oh, yeah. she has a what is described as passionate but platonic relationship with Joseph Cornell. Uh, who's a surrealist so she's mm. she is involved with men but I I think that the way that she a produces art which is constant and all-encompassing mm-hmm. and b the fact that she is, more just trying to focus on making art. Like, I think that art is kind of the end-all be-all.
0: Yeah, I that mean. That
1: makes
2: sense. Yeah, that makes a I lot of sense. I can see her being more, like, art-sexual. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly. Like she's just kind of, like sexually, like, sexually stressed out by all the messed up stuff that she had to endure as a child. And then also, like you said, is mentally wrought with this, These borderline debilitating visions, so.
1: Yeah, Maybe doesn't leave
2: a lot of time for romance.
1: (laughs) Well, and then she actually, so she attempts suicide again because she doesn't believe that she's getting the amount of money that she should be earning for her work. Uh, She ends up moving back to Japan and voluntarily institutionalizing herself. Um, So she Mm. has actually spent over four decades living in a Japanese psychiatric facility.
0: Wow. How much freedom Uh, does she have there?
1: uh, A lot, actually. She has an art studio that is not at the facility, but it is a very short walk to the facility. So she still is. Producing work At almost the same pace That she has been producing her entire life She's still putting out The infinity rooms She's still making these uh, These pumpkins Which I love The pumpkins Um, Let me find So
2: being at this facility Do they even just make sure that she kind of Like eats and sleeps and takes care of herself While she's still making her art Yes.
1: So she nice. She's been living there now for yeah, over four decades. Um, oh my gosh! And it's wow. been a completely voluntary thing. She checked herself in, and then she just she yeah. Prefers she's to basically be there. like
2: functionally institutionalized because of her, I guess, completely undiagnosable. Like she's also like a medical marvel, possibly. Well, yeah.
1: there is a potential that she has a firm diagnosis and a treatment plan. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have to confirm or publicly make that, you know, Share. make that public knowledge. Oh. She's, I mean, that is one of those things where she has allowed her own personal medical history. And I think that a lot of people kind of assume that if it's not, you know, in the articles about her, that maybe the doctors haven't figured it out. But th- there's a possibility that they have absolutely. Um, the speculation on what her her illness is, is more, I think, the way that we try to pathologize, uh, like, Andy Warhol as having obsessive-compulsive disorder, or... Uh, you know, go back and give people the diagnosis that they maybe don't have, or does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, with her, it's like, she's clearly suffering in some way that she cannot control. And it's clearly like an influence in her art, but also like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's also her private medical history. So if she doesn't want to tell us about Mm -hmm. it, I guess, you know, that's also fine.
2: Yeah, because how old is she now?
1: Uh, She's in her 80s or 90s. Let me see.
2: Nice. Yeah, no. Because yeah, like is- you said, it's like obviously someone's business, how much they want to disclose. But from like a straight up, like, like I said, from a medical standpoint and trying to even what you were doing, Jordan, earlier and like describe what someone's could be seeing or what their eyes are doing to their brain or whatever yes. kind of understanding that brings. But
1: no, absolutely. And I think that, yeah, it is important to understand, um, to understand the visions as she talks about them. Um, cause she's very public about talking about them and why the work that she does looks the way that it does. Um, mm-hmm. and she is 92. Oh my god! And she's still painting. Yeah, she's still she's still painting. She's still making the pumpkins. Um, That's incredible. Is, yeah, she's still working. Um, these pumpkins are just phenomenal. They're usually oh here, see, look at this. This is the this is what. Okay, sorry. Wow, that was quite a sentence. Um, but this is. This is what I'm talking about, is the fucking influencer <laughs> pictures with her stuff. It just cracks me up because people love taking pictures with her work. And I i honestly, that was the, that was part of why I was so interested in her story when I found it. Was because I was like, oh yeah, the lady that makes those cool installations that people take pictures in. And then I was like, oh, she's been living in a Japanese psychiatric facility for over four decades. Like I didn't know yeah. that.
2: Like people are like, "Oh my god, cute." And she's like, "I'm in a visual nightmare of my brain's own making." And they're like, <laughs> yeah. "Love it."
0: I love I want to know who the first person that was like, "I could market the shit out of this." <laughs> like Oh, this woman's oh, yeah. having a mo- a mental breakdown, like I bet we could sell that
1: on it. <laughs> <laughs> so she was involved in the Venice Biennale. Um, I just want to talk about it quickly because it's such an interesting story. Um, they what she year did was these, this? Uh, I don't know, actually. Um, okay, it was 1966 was when she was in the Venice Biennale. Um, oh, my God. That's a
0: long time ago. So this is yes. like height of the polka dot craze.
1: Well, yeah, no, the pop artists are all the rage at this point. Super big right now. Yeah. So what she does is she creates like a thousand of these circles that are like gold, silver. Here, I'm going to show you guys a picture. They're not gold. They're silver. Um, The gold comes in because she shows up. To the Venice Biennale in a gold kimono and starts selling all of these metallic balls for two U.S. dollars each, until the uh, the the people who are running the exhibit at the of the Venice Biennale come outside and tell her she can't do this and then ban her from the
0: show what so she wasn't part of it she like wasn't invited to show she just was like fuck y'all I'm here
1: no she was invited to show she was not invited to then show up and sell the work that she had made for the show that was where the problem came in was that she was selling the individual spheres for two dollars each that's That's
0: fucking bananas But it's—I think so that's really funny. interesting too, because in a way, it's almost like she's like, "Here, take this. It won't stop haunting me," you know, like
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm trying to load this off on you. That's what this is all about. I like, yeah. Maybe this will help. That was the like, name of her that installation. She she basically did a second installation called "Maybe This Will Help," where she was trying to see if selling them for two dollars would make her visions like less intrusive.
1: Uh, well, she also just wanted to be paid. <laughs> so part of it was that she just she never felt like she was given the financial recognition that she deserved, mm-hmm. which is fair. And when you're part of the Venice Biennale, you you're not selling your work there. That's an exhibit that they take Wait, and they really? travel around.
0: I didn't know that. I've never been invited, so that's why. Like, I have no idea. I've never gone. I didn't know that. Um,
1: Well, from what I know of the Venice Biennale, it's a curated show that travels the world. So you might be able to sell it once Mm. that year is up, but it's it's not like a gallery show. It's a museum exhibition, and you can't go to a museum and buy the pieces. So I am pretty sure that's how it works
0: okay here's the thing so like I knew someone in college who like got in but it was like a video piece so like how do you even sell that you know yeah I don't even understand it I don't understand art Jordan I don't get it like I'm... how do people get paid for things how do you create polka <laughs> dot rooms and make a living like maybe I don't that was your point it
1: That was her point was that it just doesn't you're not getting the there's a you're producing this work. And especially for an artist like her, where she is essentially mass producing these objects on her own and then not getting any money for it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's totally bizarre. I mean, it's just like. I think the art world is so interesting because what we want out of artists is we want this like honesty and brutality and like all of <laughs> these avant-garde things. But then you don't want to pay for those avant-garde things. Like the end of the day, you want these experiences, but you want them to be free.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I will say the the is that rose? Andrea, is, is that a problem?
0: <laughs> yeah your landlord it's doesn't expensive take exposure. To make art, dude. oh my god I'm trying to build a fucking installation sculpture for my solo show right now and the price tag is about 3k like it's about that yeah. probably maybe more and it's like I I just talked to the to my you know the guy who owns the gallery and I was like do you think if I make this do you think you can sell it and he's like I think I can but well, we have to discuss the price because I'm like if I spend three thousand dollars, I want that. Just I want that back. Making it, <laughs> just making it. And yeah. he's going to try
2: to take half. So, well,
0: he doesn't. He and only takes thirty have- percent, and that's why he's the homie. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. But yeah, it's no. like it's fucking expensive to make that stuff, and then you make a giant mm-hmm. s sculpture. It doesn't fit in your house. What do you do with that shit? Right. Like, of course, right. I want to make you art like that.
2: Store this. Until someone wants it. Until the right person sees it.
0: How am I Mm -hmm. ever going to afford a silky dress if I'm constantly spending money on art installations I can't sell?
2: (laughs) That installation is at least six silky dresses, but I understand your priorities.
1: Well, I'm having, I'm actually having a very similar uh, problem, but with craft. So like, The crochet that I do, it's not a typical crochet. Like I spend a lot of time approaching it less from the way that your grandma made granny squares and more from like the part of my degree that's in color theory. Um, We have this expectation for items that are useful. To also be cheap, and that's part of the, Mm. uh, you know, the Industrial Revolution issue. Um, Mm. But to make a queen size blanket, you know, I'm very fast because I've been making, I've been crocheting for 15 years. So I can finish an entire granny square of, you know, not the traditional just open four square one that you've seen. But I can finish these, like, round granny squares that I've been making in about 20 minutes.
0: That's amazing, Jordan. What the fuck?
1: (laughs) But even to make a queen-size blanket is going to take me 75 hours. How the fuck do I charge Mm. for that in a world where you can go to Target and get a blanket for $20? Like, And that's part of... The problem that I've been running into is just being told a lot that no one in their right mind will pay $1,800 we'll pay for a blanket. Exactly. And I'm like, well, that's fine, mm. but I don't have to make it for you then. Like, mm-hmm. this is literally, and that's not like that's the 75 hours is just the granny squares. That's not including joining them, them putting it together yeah exactly Finishing and that's it, not including
2: edges all that.
1: yeah that's not including the hours of research that i do before i even start a project like
2: mm-hmm. so
1: i completely i completely get it and she's got i mean yoyoi kusama makes these full experiences and I will say that the mirror rooms, the infinity mirrors, uh those mm-hmm. are generally a separate ticketed event. So museums will yes. have her build one and then like there's one at the Broad. It's a 25 I was about to say separate... at the Broad,
2: it's separate. Exactly. Yeah. And then yeah, but it's... then there was another one I went to That it wasn't separate, but the gallery was smaller. So it's kind of like that was still the biggest thing there. Yeah. Yeah. But I was surprised. Like, there was a line, but I was surprised that I didn't have to pay separately for it.
1: Yeah, no. And her work, I mean, people flock to it. And it is beautiful. It's so ethereal and all-encompassing. And I think that those those infinity mirrors that she creates are i think that she really achieves that idea of self obliteration with those because you really do become a part of the space mhm although someone yeah, did you break.
2: feel the What she kind of described about what happened to her the first time she saw those flowers, as someone who has had a panic attack with like other sensory interruptions, I can see the feeling of like everything in this room looks like this and it is going to swallow me if I don't leave. Like I can totally see that being in one of the spaces that she creates.
1: Yeah. And it's funny
2: to kind of see that in the art of if you don't know that that's where it's coming from being like, Oh my gosh, it's so pretty. It's everywhere. As opposed to after you hear it or have had a certain experience and be like, Oh my God, it's everywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. And that's, so it's just that's such a big. baffling. I think that the way that her art is interacted with is so interesting. And I, I don't really know what it says about authorial intent. I just know that it says something.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, what's interesting is in a lot of ways she's like hey you want to see what i see like do you want the world to look the way that it looks for me and she's creating
2: that world for us and we're like oh
0: my god this looks amazing in my photos
2: (laughs) but and but also i feel like the other part of it is that you get to leave right in this space for 10 minutes tops like you even if it's on some like black mirror shit where you would be in a room like that, take all your selfies, but then it locks. And it's like, no, this is where you are all of the time forever now. Yeah. <laughs> now you really get to live in, you know what I mean? The installation Enjoy that, that, that you wanted to look so cool. Right. Yeah. That would be a real installation if she does an installation where she can't get sued for like basically making people be in a panic room against their will for like 10 minutes <laughs> and get like the real experience of people losing their shit because they're locked in something. Um, I'm messed up. I'm just trying to make people feel their pain now. But
1: My name is Yayoi Kusama. Do you want to play a game? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's, it's like, like that sauce? little
2: bicycle thing, but it's just like the cheeks are polka dots. I love it. Uh, 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 yeah,
1: I uh, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I left this one, one up, very. But I like it, Lucy Goosey, because it is such an upsetting story, and uh, I just wanted to. Kind well, of... it's
2: upsetting, but I feel like even the way that she has lived her life makes it uh easier to talk about from a very matter of fact standpoint yes. like I don't know if we've discussed an artist that has a f- um found a way to just effectively exist within mm-hmm. something that could be perceived as tortured for this yeah. long you know just being like yeah. oh yeah I committed myself and I still make art, but yeah, this is like the brain that I have. And I know what it can do to me if I'm left to my own devices. So I just live here now. Like, yeah, that's a yeah. really, I don't know. That's takes so much self-awareness.
1: Well, and she even says that if it wasn't for art, she would have been dead a long time ago.
0: Uh-huh. Damn. I but also that. same girl. <laughs> like, Yeah. Girl. I don't here's the thing I don't get into arguments a lot but one of the most intense arguments I've ever been in is one of my ex-boyfriend's brother-in-laws was kind of just like a dumb tool and he said to my face he was like I just don't think that they should teach art in school because like really what's the point it's not like sports it's not like something that's good for you and i started just crying and i was like so emotionally angry i was like what a stupid thing to say (laughs) like the idea that art has not saved lives and given children a sense of purpose and a place to express themselves From an emotional standpoint, but also just like the physical and technical skills, like being good with your hands can make you a good surgeon. They can make you a good robotics person. Like all of these other skills come from like just basic hand eye coordination.
2: I like you can like art and be a hyper, you know, precise person. Yeah. Like that is definitely a skill set that, yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, cool cool thought that didn't need to be said out loud for sure
1: it's also (laughs) the idea that a society without artists would be in any way interesting because then you wouldn't have books or music or Or video games or yeah nothing literally
2: equilibrium (laughs) it's a movie with christian bale in it (laughs) it's freaking awesome like watch equilibrium if you think that that's the solution (laughs) I don't even remember that guy's name.
1: <laughs> Amazing! I love oh, it. Oh, good job, me so brain. Happy. Yeah, good my job. Like, brain from-
2: you don't even remain to remember that guy. He's kind of dumb, and I was like, yeah, he is though. Oh my goodness. Um, no, you know what? I hope that that guy goes to a museum trying to get laid and thinks it's stupid and accidentally cries over a painting. How about that? Wow. Um, <laughs> I hope that's what happens. I hope that art accidentally touches his heart forever and he's fucked without it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh man. Get that. <laughs> One last thing uh, is that. Influencers keep breaking parts of these installations trying to take their oh, pictures. Of course they so, do. Trying to like
2: sit on the flowers and stuff.
1: Yeah, so I think it was uh I think it was at the Broad, but somebody broke one of the, the lights in the infinity mirror and now no one is allowed oh. to bring a camera in there.
2: Oh shit. Oh yeah. But also good. Yeah, Yeah. because also that is going to be like the next time that all that is like open regular again. The line will probably be, I don't know, like the people that actually want to see it for what it is instead of a bunch of people legit getting their photo op. Like they're paying for a photo op. (laughs) Most of the people in line at the road. yeah. So the second you take that out of the equation, like I would love to see that even as a social experiment. I would love for her to put a sign out that says no photo like no cameras allowed, even if she knows they aren't gonna enforce it, just to see how many people would stand in line still. <laughs> Yeah, because at least in L.A., that's like what half those people are there for is like I'm here for my boyfriend to take a picture of me backlit. And if not, there's literally no point in me being here. (laughs) I'm going to go get overpriced charcoal ice cream after this. None of this matters.
0: I have thought so many times I was like, I love fashion. I love dressing up like I would love to have like a fashion Instagram, but I don't want to take the time to force an intimate partner to take photos mm-hmm. of me in public spaces. Like I just don't want to deal yeah. with any of that.
2: <laughs> I used to have one ye- like ye- like almost eight years ago. And I that's when I bought my first DSLR and I would get up at like five or six o'clock in the morning and take pictures on a self timer before work because oh. I was like, no one else needs to be a part of this.
1: Like, <laughs> Oh, that's so early. In for the morning. for what
2: reason? <laughs> oh yeah. I was super. Cause like you said, Andrea, at the time it was like, whether it was the colors or whatever it is. And I normally would write something that had to do or not literally with the outfit, but with whatever right. was happening at the time or the other photos of wherever I went and stuff with it. So it was kind of like a journal and oh. then the outfit also, but like other pictures of other things. That's cute. I like um, that. And so it was, it took that form, but it was like nothing about this needs to involve another person. Yeah. Truly. This is for me like, I'm good. and I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for that awesome episode that I was super looking forward to Jordan. <laughs> oh, thank you. I have gotten to see some of her art here in LA and I got to like read the placard about parts oh. of what you mentioned. And so I did know at the very least like you were saying that like we're all sitting in this room and being like oh my god I love it and taking our socks off and I was like did anybody read this? This lady is like <laughs> Is anybody else reading this
0: placard? Dude, that's exactly how I felt when I went to the uh, forest lawn no not forest lawn what's it called the huntington library and saw like a hinde wiley painting with all these like old white dead white people paintings oh. and i was like do mm-hmm. you guys understand why this is important like because the placard right. didn't say shit like i was just upset um <laughs> but yeah that's beautiful Jordan. Yeah. thank you
2: so much and um, Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of Pavant Um, If you like what you just listened to and want to make sure that you don't miss another one, follow us on Instagram um, and Twitter at Pavant Gard, P-O-D-V-A-N-T-G-A-R-D-E, um, or follow us, um, find our Facebook group that is under the same name. And if you like me uh, Katrina, as an individual, you can follow me at Katrina Savad, which is just Katrina with a K, S-I-V-A-D, which is just Davis backwards on all of the things.
0: Hey guys, Andrea Gazetta here. If you want to send me a selkie dress, uh, find me in my <laughs> DMs, or you can follow me on Instagram at Andrea Gazetta, uh, Twitter at Sundress comic. And I have a website, Andreagazetta.com, And I also have a Patreon, which is pretty cool. If you want exclusive stickers and wallpapers and other cool art shit, come hang out.
1: Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, and I am Jordan Lee Williams. Uh, You can message me on the Facebook group or I guess on my Instagram uh, and look at my big dumb face. Um, I'm the Goonie Bird and my art stuff is Goonie Bird Crafts and that's also the name of my Etsy store.
2: And DM her regular size pretty face if you want (laughs) to spend two G's on a blanket.
0: Hell yeah, dude. Or just, you know, a sweet, cute little granny square. They're super adorable. She does do, like, earrings, which are much more affordable
2: than yes, thousands and, of dollars. Yes, um, and fun, fun in terms of the colors, but dark in terms of the visuals, sometimes embroideries. Hell yeah. Is that what
1: you call those? Needlepoint? What do you call you know, them, it's, Jordan? It's embroidery. The ones of hands
2: um, and stuff. Okay. Yeah.
1: No, and those are actually, the hands are at the bar gallery.
0: Oh,
2: oh yeah,
1: they're at Barstel. Okay. <laughs> yeah, where you can also I buy paintings of paintings. my
0: ex-boyfriend if you want. Go do it. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> honestly, I you've done some great paintings of your ex-boyfriend. So. Yeah, they're
0: pretty solid. His mom has they're probably good. the best one, so at least
2: someone's enjoying it. I Oops. like it, and honestly, that's someone who will always love it, even if uh, they make he makes them mad so that is a good person to have exactly it's perfect Um, your mom's the only person that will always want a picture of you um (laughs) but yeah thank you all so much for listening and we'll see you next time dang it i did the last one right um we love you i keep saying
1: see you we love you bye we will see you we love you goodbye
0: Hey guys Andrea here um I'm asking for your help a little bit today because Jordan Katrina and I are all comedians and artists who don't have any experience editing sound and because this is a sound-based medium we have asked an editor to help us with our episodes um we had a few issues early on with some of the early recordings and we're working on getting those sorted out um and part of that is just having an audio engineer so in order to be able to actually pay him and pay him a fair rate uh we're asking for your help we've set up a patreon patreon patreon.com slash and our goal is that we can pay him not from our own pockets but from the resources of the show itself which means we need your help um We're also planning on starting to release bonus episodes. We'll start with one a month. um, And as that Patreon rate increases, we'd like to eventually expand that to a bonus episode every week. And the bonus episodes will be more, um, a little bit more loose fit. We'll be covering... uh like current events and weird things that happen because there's a lot of like weird stuff going on in the art world right now uh, especially around nfts especially around ai and i think it's really interesting and worth talking about but we just need to be able to pay someone to edit that bonus content um i would also say that in terms of the time cost you know katrina jordan and i all are supporting ourselves outside of this show this show takes a lot of time i'm probably spending at least three days a week with every episode just researching We're buying books. Um, Katrina's editing the time codes. She's building our website. She's doing all our social media. Jordan is also researching her own episodes. And my goal for the Patreon is just that it can become something that, you know, we're not looking to get rich. I don't think that's ever been our goal. I don't think we ever think that could be our goal. But what I'd like to be able to happen eventually is that the Patreon can become... A way for us to just pay ourselves a living wage for the time that we invest into this show my experience uh with cult podcast um is that it's really hard to make a show every single week and not have other financial resources. So what I want is that this Patreon can eventually become a financial resource for us. It can help us support ourselves and it can help us to continue putting the show out so that we don't get burnt out and want to pull our hair out. Um, We love you so much and we think that the show is really important. I personally think that we need more podcasts that cover history and art history from a feminist, anti-colonial, queer perspective and that's where we're coming from as artists and as art historians and comedians we love you we love this show thank you so much for supporting it that's again at patreon.com slash and thanks guys